the rest of Chicago sweats in 95, 100 degree heat. Here we are inside the nice, chilly Fifth Third Bank Arena on day three of Blackhawks Development Camp. Coming to you on day four, but uh, more news coming on Wednesday. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, along with Scott King, the Chelsea blogger on WGNRadio.com and the NHL.com correspondent. And a little bit of news, Scott, as we said on Wednesday as Stan Bowman met the media yet once again. He didn't have a trade to announce this time. We also heard from Jeremy Collison for just the second time since the season ended, first time since the NHL draft. We'll hear from him in a bit. But this was strictly a prospect-centric press conference that Stan Bowman had. He was asked, quite frankly and quite pointedly, about Adam Boquist's future, what it's looking like for him when September and October rolls around. And I'll give you the quote that Stan Bowman provided. He said, quote, we're probably leaning towards that, meaning that he does turn pro and not return to London of the OHL. Uh, Stan went on to say, I don't know if we've made any declaration that that's what he's going to do. I think talking to Adam, he wants to take that next step and is probably looking like that, but nothing has been determined for sure. And you will hear Boquist say as much during a little press back and forth a little bit earlier on in the week here at Development Camp on Monday. We'll bring that to you a little bit later on in this podcast. But for all intents and purposes, it looks like the number eight overall pick from... 2018 draft who has looked really good here so far this week at development camp is either going to be an ice hog or a black yeah and we had just talked on the last podcast about how you know not only does he have uh, kind of an up even an upgrade to his poise on the ice but just the way he's handled himself around here seen him off the ice talk to the media he does kind of seem like a pro uh to begin with, and look, it took him. It took him a little bit last season in London to get going. I think Stan even pointed that out. I think it was uh, November that he thought his game got going. But just the way, just watching him here these first three days, he does look. Um very confident in the way he's he's skating. He's always had confidence with that. He's always been a great skater. The way he controls the puck, but he just he stands out a lot, and that's that's one of the reasons we kind of got to that news. Is, is Stan was naming the guys who stood out in camp so far, and he's definitely one of them. And he's not Nicholas Jalmerson so far yet by any means on the defensive end, but you can see the strides that he's made from a year ago. And one other thing that Stan said in discussing all these prospects is that four guys are standing out right now, and that is. Kirby Doc, Alex Nylander, uh, Adam Boquist, and Ian Mitchell. And when we talk about the defensive prospects as well, I did ask Stan as the press conference was closing, you know, his, it might be begrudging respect for the maturity that Ian Mitchell has shown here. And you heard in our podcast um, uh, that uh, was released on Wednesday morning from the one-on-one visit I had with him, his decision to stick to his guns and remain at Denver for a third year and become that captain. Stan said flat out, we think he is ready for the pros, but now it's a matter of Ian being able to get as much out of that third year at Denver that he would if he had gone pro, and uh, Stan has a whole lot of respect for the decision that Ian's made. Now it's up to him to take that next step. We heard him talking about the importance of what that third year meant to other guys who eventually turn pro, and now it's you know up to Ian once he does go back there to get as much of it out as he can before he commits to the NHL and the Blackhawks. 
Yeah, and in, in addition to Ian and the other three guys that stood out to stand, and probably us too so far in camp, I would say that Alex Vlasic kind of got an honorable mention. You know, I, I'm working on a story on him for NHL.com and uh, wanted to ask about him, and, and Stan spoke at length about for his size, you know, 6'6", six, six, uh, and the young age, 18. They just picked him 43rd overall in this past draft. Um, he really moves well, Stan thoughts. And I, I kind of noticed that a little bit early on, and he's uh, impressed by that. One of his one of his quotes on Vlasic was he covers covers a lot of ground with his reach, but his skating, he's kept up quite well being one of the youngest guys here. So, And Vlasic knows where he kind of falls in the midst of all these guys. He's, it's going to take him another couple years back at Boston University mm-hmm. to uh, to maybe really push himself to try to turn pro in a few years. So another guy with a good head on his shoulders, not trying to immerse himself too much in this process early on. Yeah, after that after that top four that we mentioned, there seems to be that close second tier of Vlasic, Philip Kurashev being another one of those. And we will hear, again, not only from Adam Boquist, we'll also hear from Kirby Doc, um, as well as Mackenzie Entwistle, who's a part of that other, you know, kind of secondary tour of guys who are knocking at the door, although not quite at the level of a Boquist a Mitchell, a Nylander, or a, a Doc to this point. So we will hear from uh, those three youngsters Entwistle, Doc, and Boquist a little bit later on, but for the here and now, let's give you some of Jeremy Colleton's thoughts, and these are more on you know, the off-season in general, and in particular, and some of the questions that are now being you know, uh, raised that we haven't had a chance to ask Jeremy about some of the off-season moves here. Uh, it talks a little bit about have, adding Mark Crawford to his staff, the you know, perhaps a chemistry adjustment that may have to go through all the changes on this roster and in this lineup. Also, the Crawford-Leonard dynamic and playing time equation. His thoughts on the Henry Yokiharu trade as well. Uh, going back to the goaltender situation, he also addresses uh, Colin Delia having to accept the fact that you know he may not be the backup this year. But by and large, this is all about Jeremy's excitement about the roster competition that will come down to the last couple, three spots when all is said and done, you would think, at the end of September when they start to head overseas. The flexibility and the versatility that this lineup has, this team acquiring an edge. But we begin Jeremy's thoughts with the media on Wednesday about just his overall observations of what has been a very busy offseason. Yeah, we've done a lot. Uh, I think we've really increased the depth of our group, both everywhere in goal on defense up front we have competition uh, throughout the roster for roster spots for roles i think we have more versatility to our team we got guys we got defenders who can play either side we got guys who want to kill penalties and defend and and take that role we got forwards who can play different positions uh, kill penalties play against good players so we feel like that's what we're missing to our team I think we've added a little bit of physicality and an edge which uh, we need to have that dimension um, we've got to win, di- win games in different ways and I think uh, if you compare the roster now to the one we ended with or the one we had when I first came in November uh, we're, we're much uh, I think we can win in different ways and we're prepared to 
have uh, an excellent season, hopefully. And getting those guys that play with the Edge, was that kind of a, an immediate need in, in your eyes? And did you have some input with Stan to, to go do that? Yeah, for sure. We've been working together this whole time along with uh, you know the pro scouts and the management group building uh, lists and, and watching games and trying to see what we could do to improve the team. So um, we had a good finish. We, we had a much better second half. We won some hockey games. We got ourselves back in the race. But ultimately, um, we know we have to improve, and I think we, we have done that. And now it's making sure we're totally ready for training camp to challenge these guys to have a great start and, and figure out who's going to make the roster. seems like versatility has been the big word so far this offseason acquiring these guys. Why is that so important in how you like to play? Yeah, well, I think we want to be flexible with how we can build our lineup according to who we're playing and being able to handle certain matchups. I'd like to be a little less reliant on... Um, you know, certain players can only play against uh, you know other teams' top players. We'd like to use more of our group. Um, I think it's important to we want to have a flow to the team uh, where we can play at a high pace and uh, put pressure on teams over a 60-minute period. And you need depth in your roster and. Of course, there's certain times where you are concerned with matchups, but we want to have more of the group able to play against anyone and feel like we're going to come out on the positive end of it. And I think uh, not everyone's going to have their best game every night. And so when you have players who can play left or right or, or center or you know left defense or right defense, then we can play the guys who are going. And uh, we're not, the lineup isn't as static. And I think uh, we've we made some major headway there. I'm sure it's a good problem to have, but how do you envision handling the, the goalie workload with Crawford and Robin? Yeah, well, there's going to be competition, certainly, but I think you look at the teams that have had success, there has been a share, um, a, some sort of split. It's not uh, 60, 70 games one guy is taken, and, and um, we, those games that maybe traditionally the backup is, is playing, we need to win those too. So now whoever's in the net, we're going to get an extremely high level of performance. And uh, if we happen to be unlucky with injuries, we have some protection there too. As a coach, what did you have to weigh in the Yogi Haru Milander trade? Well, I, I only offer my assessment of, of the players, and ultimately it's it's Stan who um, you know makes the call. But I think there's this idea that um, I'm down on Henry. Not at all. I mean, he's he played uh, half a season as a teenager in the NHL. Um, probably in a perfect world, we wouldn't have had to put him in that position uh, where he could have been in Rockford or uh, you know able to really be um, playing the role that hopefully he can play down the road as far as being a top pair D, um, trying to get to that level. But it's the roster we had at the beginning of the year. We had a couple injuries, and he was kind of forced into that spot, and I think he did well. And there's no reason why he can't be an excellent player, but you know, you look at our group, as we were just talking about with Stan, we have some really good defensemen coming up, but they're a little bit smaller, a little more tilted to the offensive side of the game. And you know, he had an opportunity to add a guy like Nylander and, and felt like that was a uh, the route to go. And um, 
I'm excited to get a chance to work with with Alex. Seems like a great kid. He's played three years pro already, and he's you know just in his barely in his 20s. A lot of offensive uh, ability and upside. He's got a great shot. Um, comes obviously from a very good hockey pedigree, and it's up to us to try and help him take the next step as a player and hopefully contribute with us and help us win games. Before Robin signed, kind of looking like Colin was going to be the backup. Did you have a chance to talk to him or anyone discuss his role coming in the next season? Yeah, so um, both you know Jimmy and and uh, Pete, they talk to those guys more often, but certainly we'll have conversations with these guys, and, and ultimately we believe in Colin. You know, he signed a three-year contract. We we think the world of him that he's going to be an excellent goalie, but uh, we had an opportunity to add a guy like Robin. He's he's going to make our team better. He's um, can carry a load. He's going to add competition to that spot. So um, in the end, it's all about winning, and I think everyone understands that. Is there any concern at all about how much the roster has turned over since the end of last year, just as far as a chemistry standpoint, trying to figure out what guys fit where, stuff like that? Not really. I, I think we have a group that they're excited. They, they feel like we're on the right track. We needed to make some adjustments to the to the team to give us, as I said earlier, the opportunity to win in different ways. Uh, we think we've added some character. We think we've added some uh, some personality, and if anything, I think that'll help our chemistry. How big is that additional Mark Crawford? Yeah, especially. Yeah, it was um, obviously he was in the running in Ottawa and so we didn't know how that was going to play out but uh, when he was available and, and interested in, in coming uh, I looked at it as a great opportunity for me, uh, for my own development in, in particular to be around a guy with his experience I mean you look at the assistant coaches in the league I'm not sure who can match his resume um, you know, he started his head coaching career in the NHL around the same time that I am now and so he can add a lot uh, obviously to the team certainly as far as how we're going to play and different ideas and communication with the players and the respect that they'll have for him based on his what he's been through but also for me just as a sounding board and we can work together on uh, how we're going to get this team going. At least at this point looking at the roster there seems to be only a finite number of, of spots that might be available um, when you take into consideration the veterans. Uh, you as a coach kind of lick your chops at the competition of for those last couple spots alone. You know, six, eight guys vying for that, and what that could mean to Rockford too. Yeah, that's a great thing. We we want it to be difficult to make the team. Uh, for a young player, it shouldn't be easy. Uh, they are going to have to perform at a really high level to push someone out, and that's exactly what we want. Uh, and maybe they show that they can play at our level, but still not our best roster they can go to Rockford and continue to develop and and then if we do end up with an injury or uh, we need to shake things up we have someone who can step in and make a difference so that's huge Uh, even among the veteran guys I mean we have some really good players here there's going to be competition for whether it's a roster spot or ice time or roles I think all the great teams they have that and uh, I think I've said before this summer that if we want to really make a run we need to be 25 26 players deep you just you're going to have injuries I think last year we were relatively healthy and we can't expect that to just happen again we got to be prepared to win every night no matter who's out so building off of those last comments from him, Jeremy had to say about his excitement of what will be uh, you know quite a competition you would think 
come uh, training camp in September. Wrote this down the other night, Scott, when you look at projections for who might be in this lineup. When you look at it, guys that were on this team at the beginning of last season, Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, Alex Dabrinkit, Patrick Kane, and David Camp. Those were the guys on this roster now who project to be on the roster when the regular season starts. Uh, Those five are the only ones from a forward standpoint who were here a year ago at the beginning of training camp at the beginning of the season um, who project to be in this lineup when the 2019-2020 season starts. Strom wasn't here. Zach Smith wasn't here. Nor was Andrew Shaw or Drake Kajula or Ryan Carpenter. So just five guys returning from last year. And then when you talk about this competition and add into the mix... You figure Brennan Perlini will eventually sign. You have Nylander, Dominic Kubalik. Now, Dylan Sakur was a part of that camp as well, was off and on on this roster, so he figures to be in that mix. But Anton Vadim, Kirby Doc will certainly get an opportunity to make this team. I still tend to think it may be a little bit of a longer shot than some people are hoping. You have uh, a guy with an NXL experience like John Quenville, who was acquired in the John Hayden trade. And then Auntie Sorella, who came over with Calvin DeHaan, who had himself a great season in the AHL, who might himself be knocking on the door for one of these positions. And it's going to make for a really interesting, fascinating, and I think thrilling training camp when it comes to who is going to end up making this team. And this is all going to benefit Rockford, too, because on top of the guys who don't make it, you're going to have the likes of an Entwistle and a Fortan and a, you know, a Hagel and a Highmore and uh, Reese Johnson and Philip Kurashev, guys like that. We haven't even gotten to the defensemen. So um, the competition, however it shakes out, uh, is you know also going to benefit the, the Blackhawks' top minor league team. And you're going to have a whole lot of hungry guys vying for roster spots in the NHL. And if they don't make it, trying to make it here when an opening does occur. Yeah, it's been a busy offseason. There's been a lot of turnover, honestly, and, and you heard Carlton speak about his thoughts on that, and he seems, you probably got the same impression, Chris, he seemed quite happy with a lot of the moves, and we had kind of heard that he had a lot of input with, with getting some guys like Andrew Shaw uh, to come over, and Smith to come over uh, and play with an edge. He thought that was missing. So, like you said, training camp's going to be very exciting, very interesting. There's going to be a lot of guys with NHL experience fighting for spots, and as much as this Development camp has been interesting after having a number three pick, after having a handful of guys we mentioned before take the next step, uh, make cases for themselves to try to make the team this year or or definitely be ready to turn pro next year. It's going to be a great camp, again, for training camp. So uh, a lot has happened, and some guys need to try to make their case to be in the roster. He was asked for the first time since the Henry Yoki Taru trade about his thoughts on that, and he said, you know, uh, he senses that there is this feeling, uh, you know, out there in the public that, you know, that that he wasn't necessarily a fan of Henry based on the way that Joel Quenville very publicly praised him, and then Henry's playing time getting reduced and eventually being sent down to Rockford. You and I discussed this on the podcast a little bit earlier in the week, and I, I don't think it was a case of Henry not necessarily being worthy. I just think when you take into consideration the decisions they had to make, and I think the ceilings that they have for some of these other prospects from the Boquists and the Bodans and the Ian Mitchells, um, combined with the additions of Mata and DeHaan, 
it almost became a numbers game for for Henry if you're going to be you know keeping a Keith and a Gustafson and a Murphy on that back end as well. So they roll the dice with another high end prospect who hasn't reached his ceiling either, and Alex Nylander. And um, you know whether people want to believe Jeremy or not, that was the explanation. And um, you know he seemed to be ready to to move on from that. And basically the impression I got was that you know they just hold a couple of these other guys in a little bit higher regard in terms of what their potential ceiling in the NHL can be. Well, there's one thing us and the listeners can't believe for sure, and that's that Jimmy Carlton listens to the podcast. Because Tuesday's podcast, I was pointing out the the timing of um, of Henry playing so many minutes and getting praised, like you said, under Joel Quinville. Carlton comes over, not playing as much, sent to Rockford. But in, in all fairness, Carlton uh, made a great point about how he kind of played those minutes when Q was here and when Carlton first got here because they were in a position where he had to. And there's no harm, and and the team and Henry are better off if he is developing in the NHL like he did the second half of the season. So the the timing of uh, us talking on podcast uh, Tuesday about Carlton and the timing with Yokoharu uh, being underused and sent down in a trade, and then him addressing it at length in the presser on Wednesday was uh, interesting. The action action continues here as we continue the podcast for the hearing. Now let's hear from some of these prospects that we didn't get a chance to, that in all honesty we were expecting to pass along earlier in the week before Stan pulled off another trade in the Artem Anisimov and Zach Smith deal. Let's hear uh, not only from uh, Mackenzie Entwistle and Kirby Doc, but first the aforementioned and the previously discussed Adam Boquist when he met the media for the first time earlier here in the week. Uh, This does hold up from some of his thoughts and among the topics that he discussed Brian Campbell's influence and impact on him. Also, you hear him talk personally about what his hopes and expectations are for this September and October. Also, uh, last year's progress that he made in London of the OHL, especially later in the season when he started putting up some ridiculous numbers, but he begins this exchange with the media talking about what has been his focus over the last three and a half months since London's season ended in the playoffs. I'm just at training, uh, try to be bigger and stronger, and yeah, try to stay off the ice, uh, so this was the first time, and didn't feel good, so hope can be better. <laughs> I think uh, the last year was really good for me. Uh, I think I just, yeah started pretty slow and then finished at the playoffs. Uh, yeah, pretty good. How much has Brian Campbell has, has, how much has he helped you in the last year as far as mentoring you and getting you to become a better defenseman? Yeah, he has helped me a lot. Uh, he got to London like seven times, I think. So and and Mark Eaton too. Uh, I've talked to them a lot and they they want to help me to be better hockey player and we watch video after games and talk and go out and have a dinner and talk. Do you expect to go back to London next year or what's the next step for you? Uh, I don't know. Uh, of course I want to play in NHL but yeah, we'll see. Uh, no, I, I want to turn a pro uh, quick and I think I'm, I'm pretty re- ready for that. Did you surprise yourself at all last year during training camp? I mean, you stuck around Yeah, I think so too. Uh, no. I don't know. I'm just trying to go out there and show them that I want to be in the team and everything, do my best every day. I think at the end of the season, I played pretty good defensively uh, in the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised uh, how good I played. Uh, yeah, of course, my shot uh, at start, uh, I couldn't score. And then, then I switched to something and then I start score. And uh, then the, how I played on the smaller ice at the end of the season. 
how, how much different do you sense uh, how more physically ready you may be from this time a year ago? And uh, you know, how much more room is there to, to take as far as that's concerned, being physically ready for NHL? Of course, uh, I have to get uh, stronger. I worked uh, these two months, I think it was, before this training camp. I know, uh, I'm not the guy who's going to go out and put up the guys in the glass and run over people. Uh, I need to yeah, work with my feet and my stick and have good body position. As I said in our podcast, it's very evident from what I said earlier in the week that M. Boquist has put on a little bit of weight. There is more weight to be gained, but he's filling out, and I think that certainly helps his defensive sturdiness here as he continues to develop his game. Now, one guy in this camp obviously tied to Adam Boquist is Mackenzie Entwistle, because when these two teams met in the OHL playoffs, Boquist and London were facing, uh, Boquist and London were facing off against Mackenzie Entwistle and Guelph. The Knights went out to a three games to none lead in the best of seven series, and Entwistle and company rallied to take that series 4-3. They would then go on to trail Saginaw three games to one in their next round series, rally to win that, and then they trailed um, Saginaw uh, in their, or rather Ottawa, in their final round series of the OHL championship, and then went on to capture the OHL championship before competing for the Memorial Cup. They fell a little bit short of that. So uh, you'll hear about that great run as I visited with Mackenzie Entwistle a little bit earlier in the week. Also talking about where he is physically. This is an impressive specimen. He's gained about 10 pounds. There is more weight to gain, but he is certainly looking like a guy who has a future with the Blackhawks. Even Stan Bowman said as much during our conversations with him uh, in discussing some of these prospects on Wednesday. But here first, Entwistle talks about matching up with Adam Boquist and what that was was like in that playoff series last year. He's tough to play against. I mean, he's uh, he's quick. He gaps up on you quick, and um, he doesn't really give you too much time and space. And then you give him give him uh, time and space in the offensive zone. He's he's going to use it. And, and uh, he you know he showed that against uh, against us in the playoffs. And um, even on the power play, he's got a great shot. And um, you know I, I saw that too. So uh, no, he's he's a really good all around player. You're just so close. Yeah, I mean, um, it's obviously you know when you're when you're uh, here and and you you know you're playing against uh, all, all the other top guys and you're seeing NHL guys walk you know guys like Jonathan Taze walking around the locker room and, and things like that. I mean, it's it's pretty cool and um, you know it's it's kind of you know that that little taste and for me um, you know I'm starting to see and, and I, I'm trying to make my make my sort of step in, into I want to play pro and, and I'm trying to make that clear and, and do everything I can to to play at that next level. You're putting out a little bit of weight. How would you assess your game right now compared to where it was a year ago? Yeah, I mean um, the weights obviously obviously helps, and, and for me being a bigger guy, um, you know that's that's sort of something I uh, you know take pride in is, is playing down low and, and using my size and, and uh, to my advantage, and um, you know taking a lot of pucks to the net, um, being a, being a hard guy to play against, and, and you know um, obviously last year and uh, the past two years I kind of got slotted in at the wing wing spot playing with Robert Thomas and Hamilton and. Um, Nick Suzuki in, in uh, Guelph, so um, you know I, I took advantage of that as well. You know, playing with those guys, and um, obviously I'm trying to work on my face-offs, and I think that size and, and the extra weight is, is definitely helping me. So, what are the next steps here as you prepare to 
go pro? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, you, you can get better in, in every sort of, you know, situation. And, um, you know, you, you can always grow as a player and, and as a person. So I think for me, um, I think obviously the next step. So, you know, I think I can still get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, um, you know. Uh, but I, I think the next steps on the ice in, in terms of, um, you know, getting my, my first three steps a little bit quicker and, um, you know, being a little bit more explosive and, and you know, staying down low in the corners and, and playing off uh, guys' hips. I think that's something that's going to um, take a little bit of time, but I, I'm slowly working on that, and, and it's helping me. I know you guys asked a little bit earlier about the, the, the trash you may or may not have given Adam, but but have you ever been on that type of ride before that you guys experienced with down 3 nothing, down 3-1 and 2-1 and rallying to win series like that? Ever experienced anything like that in your playing days? No, I've, I've never. I've never. And, and it, was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, it was, you know, I, I remember in that London series, you go down 3 nothing and you know, we're sitting in the locker room after the third game, and we're going like, "Oh, geez, like, what's going on?" You know, like we, we got this great team on paper, and um, you know, we made all these trades at the deadline, and and now all of a sudden we're down three nothing in the second second round of the playoffs. And um, you know, obviously London was a great team, but I think that was uh, just show the character and, and the resiliency that we had, and, and we all came together. And um, you know, it, it was it was nice to see that uh, once we won the first one, we kind of just said, "Okay, you know, let's try to win the second, then we won the second, and then we won the third." And, and then we went into London. That's a tough rink to play in. And, um, you know, that was, uh, the, you know, 9,000 fans cheering for them. We were down 3-1 th- three, three going into the third. And then we come back and win. I, I, again, it shows the resili- resiliency that we had. And um, same thing in the... Um, Saginaw series and, and even in the Ottawa series. So, I mean, we had a great team and it was uh, it was a fun ride. From one Blackhawks prospect with a lot of size and whistle acquired as part of that Marion host of Vinnie Henestrosa deal a year ago, to another Blackhawk prospect, perhaps the number one prospect right now, if not for Adam Boquist, is the number three overall pick. Kirby Doc making his prospector development camp debut here. And here's a little bit from him earlier in the week where he's asked a little bit about his hectic schedule and avoiding burnout, mentioning the fact he's only had a couple of days off this entire offseason from leading up to the draft ever since then. Uh, the f- feedback he may be getting from the Blackhawks on his potential to make the team as an 18-year-old straight out of the draft. Scott asked him about the pressure of being the number three overall pick, but he starts off here just talking about how he's just trying to embrace this week and not think too much and just enjoy. To me, it's just kind of hockey. It's, it's the game I love and, and I want to play it for the rest of my life, so I'm just going out there and, and enjoying any chance I get to play this game, and it's obviously fun to be able to play with players of that caliber out there and uh, to kind of uh, match up against those guys, and obviously uh, with Alex kind of being here and him a little bit older than I am, it's a guy I kind of look up to and, and kind of watch what he does and then learn from him. It's only been a couple weeks since we saw you last, but have you talked to Jeremy or Stan since we talked to you about what they see as your vision for you the rest of this year? Uh, no, I haven't really touched base uh, on that particularly. It was just kind of what, what I need to do to get ready for camp and, and what I need to do to have a good camp. So I haven't really been, been focused on, on the future in that aspect, but I'm just here kind of taking it day by day and enjoying the, the camp. Being selected at number three, do you feel a lot of pressure coming in here, or are you just kind of able to play and keep that on your head? Uh, I think the biggest pressure is going to come from myself. Uh, I know that uh, yeah, that that kind of stature aspect of, of being the third overall pick, there's going to be some pressure behind it, but I kind of just flush it out, and uh, the only pressure that's going to come from, from my performance is going to be myself because I, I know how good I can be every day, and uh, I need to kind of strive for that excellence. 
What, what's the fine line between? I mean, was was this window between the end of the draft and this camp? Is that the time you're trying to squeeze in some relaxation? Because I'm sure after this, you're, you're trying to ramp up for training camp too. What's the what's the downtime factor been like for you? Yeah, exactly. You kind of touched on it. It's, it's been a whirlwind experience, obviously, from the draft, and, and now I'm here three weeks later. So I had some downtime with the family, head out to, to our lake house, and just kind of relax there for one or two days. But uh, you kind of got to get right back to work and, and get back in the gym and start skating because you got to get ready for this. And obviously, uh, I got the Team Canada selection camp coming up at the end of July here after this. So I got to be kind of going it all, all the time. So uh, there's no time for breaks. You worry about a burnout factor? Uh, I don't know. I'm still pretty young. I don't burn out that quick yet. So uh, I try to take good care of my body and in the, in the gym, making sure I'm putting the right things in my body as well uh, away from the rink. Is there one thing that you're trying to work out with camp here? Is there something that they want you to focus on? Uh, I think everything. You, you can never be too good at something. From, so I kind of take everything I can get from these coaches, and I'm, I'm trying to act like a sponge out there and, and soak in every information I can get to, to make myself better, not only on the ice but off the ice with the strength and conditioning coaches and the development guys on the ice. So as the action continues uh, below us here on a Wednesday afternoon at Fifth Third Arena and Blackhawks Brass is directly across from us, I think they're more concerned with what's going on on the ice than what we're saying here on the podcast. A couple of notes that we have to pass along and hope you were able to enjoy uh, hearing from some of these prospects in Doc and Boquist and Entwistle uh, a few moments ago. But a couple of orders of business here. If you're not able to make it out to the scrimmage on Friday morning, it's a 9.30 start. If you're not able to make it out, and the scrimmage is really the true evaluation of some of these players going up against each other in game conditions because this has all been basically drills. If you're not able to make it out here, Tune into Blackhawks.com for the second straight year. Adam Burrish and I will be uh, live streaming that, all that action. You'll be able to watch it. And uh, if you're at your work computer or something and aren't too distracted, you can you can check things out as well. The other matter of business is that we will be coming live on WGNRadio.com Saturday of the convention between noon and 1. We're still waiting to hear from our guest, Scott, as well as an exact location. We were downstairs last uh, Last year, I'm not sure if that'll be the case, but uh, we'll pass along some information on on Twitter and social media as well. If, uh, uh, in terms of guests and and where we'll be, if anyone at the convention wants to wants to come join us, yeah, not sure yet. The first year before you came aboard the podcast, we were in a grand ballroom, which so you, you just don't know. It's always a great setting, uh, and fans come out and listen. Had a great time with Ronick last year, and you know the first two times this will be the third annual podcast at the convention. They, the the uh, Hawks are kind enough to usually hook us up with a uh, alum a current player and a prospect, so hopefully it fits that mold again, but it should be a lot of fun. It definitely was last year and the year before. Yeah, JR last year along with the Sakura brothers, yeah, so we'll great. see who we have coming along this year. Again, that'll be between noon and 1 on Saturday, July 27th, the middle day of that convention, and again, we'll keep you posted on Twitter and on Facebook, uh, all the details of who's going to be there and exactly where we will be. Two podcasts in the span of a couple of days. This is hockey overload, but you got to love it with uh, it being hot and humid outside here. I just feel bad that we're not going to be able to stay in a hockey rink as the hot weather continues here in Chicago. But if you want to follow along on social media, Scott's at, at Scott King Media on Twitter. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. You can also follow along on the Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page at Facebook.com backslash Blackhawks Crazy. Also read Scott's Chelsea blogger write-ups. Fast and Furious this week on WGNRadio.com. And once again, thanks to Joe Romano, our producer. 
really putting him to work here this week after that lunch at Palace Grill. Uh, for putting this all together, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And again, we encourage you to subscribe on uh, iTunes uh, and other platforms so that we, when we do have a Blackhawk Crazy podcast, a fresh edition, it'll be there waiting for you. From the noisy and chilly fifth third arena for scott king i'm chris bowden thanks for joining us and hope to see you at the convention everyone